Well, uh, today I want to talk about the vision that God is giving this church, and I believe giving each and every single one of us. To do that, I want to kind of tell you a story and then use that story to then lead into a passage we're going to look at today. It's found in Luke 19, and then from Luke 19, we're going to kind of look at next steps and what the vision of our church and what God is calling us into. So the story revolves around my wife and I climbing a 14,000-foot mountain called Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My wife and I, we love to climb 14ers. It's a lot of fun. For us, it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. And Pikes Peak is beautiful, no exception, uh, hard as well. And, you know, if you would have gone with us, you would have experienced what we experienced. When we were at the very start of the trail, we didn't realize how hard it would be to get to where we wanted to go. But we also didn't imagine, okay, what we were going to experience when we summited the mountain. The vastness of the vision that we saw when we got up there could only have been experienced through our sacrifice, through our surrender. And here's what I want you to understand for your life today. Here's what I want you to think about as we continue. We only experience the vision of God and the vastness of his vision for every single one of us through sacrifice and surrender. I want you to think about that for a minute. That is the only way we're able to experience all that God has for us. Now hear me on this, okay? The more we surrender, the more we sacrifice, the more we're gonna see the view of what God has for us. The more we sacrifice, the more you're gonna see through the eyes of God for your life, for your family's life, for your friends, for your community, all those around you. So I wanna introduce you out of Luke 19, verse one and following. A man's life that was transformed. And as he sees differently, so I think we so sh shall see differently. Look at, let's look at it together with me. Uh, Luke 19, 1. Jesus entered Jericho. These, this is some miles outside of Jerusalem. And passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was very, very wealthy. Okay, if, if you have a pen or a highlighter, I, highlight or circle the phrase chief tax collector. Okay, chief tax collectors, they were not liked in their culture. Now, do you think that IRS agents are liked in this culture? I would probably say if you're an IRS agent today, we love you, we're glad you're here. But for the most part, they were not liked very much and they still aren't liked. In fact, I read an article this last week uh, that they're seeking to rename the term IRS agent because it's unpopular. And this is what they came up with. Tax policy compliance directors. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot better, <laughs> right? Now in Jesus's culture, okay, so the, the tax collectors, they were even more hated and here's why they were even more hated. The Romans would come into town, okay? They'd come into New Albany and they said, we're gonna take over the area. And what they would do is they would tax you. They would tax you 90% on the dollar. Now, what they would do is though, they wouldn't put their guys in charge because you being a New Albany or living in the Kentuckiana area knows that they're not gonna know where, to, where you're hiding the money. So they would pick one of your own, one of our own. They would flip them, turn them into a double agent, if you will. And they'd say, you're the, gonna go around. You know where everyone gets, keeps their money. You're gonna collect it. And then if you collect extra, hey, that's yours. We're not gonna tell anybody. It was pretty smooth, the Romans. So you can imagine the tax collectors, I mean, these are the ones that had, that had turned on their moms or dads or friends or community members. They were the traitors of their culture. So they were hated. And then to make matters worse, 
the chief tax collector. He's the boss of all the bosses of the tax collectors. Can you imagine how unpopular he was, Zacchaeus? And actually the Jewish Mishnah called the tax collector, listen, and I quote, loathsome and should not be considered human. Consider yourself not human for a moment. Ray is not to be considered human. Wow, wow. Enter our man Zacchaeus, he's hated. Look, continue to read verse three with me. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, he climbed a sycamore tree, uh, fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. This was a very popular tree, some kind of olive tree in their time and place. And we know if you grew up in church, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and wee little man was he. So he's short. Typically when you have someone who's short, you let them in front of you because you're tall or you can see, they can see. But would you let a crooked chief tax collector see? Probably not. You're probably hip-checking along the way. You're probably not letting him get close. I mean, can you imagine what they're thinking? I'm not gonna let this traitor close to Jesus. That's the last thing I want him to do. He should be in the back of the line. I've been waiting here way too long. That's what's happening. So Zacchaeus, he can't see. He climbs a tree. He Because he, he wants to see this Jesus he's heard so much about. Verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, so he comes to the spot this close to Zacchaeus. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Motel Zacchaeus. Now, now you read that, and, and I don't know how many times you may have read this story. <laughs> this may be a story you've read over and over. Maybe this is your first time. But I want you to understand, this is an invitation that is above all invitations. And here's why. Jesus, he comes into town, the most popular person in the entire region. They didn't have any form of communication other than really word of mouth, maybe carrier pigeon, okay? And Jesus is so popular and everyone wants to see him. He strolls into one of the, the culture's most leading cities, think Chicago, LA, think the most popular spots in America today. He rolls into town. He doesn't go see the governor. He doesn't see the mayor. He doesn't see the businessman. He goes to see the most unpopular figure of all the town, Zacchaeus. It was an unbelievable invitation. And I love this. I love this. Out of all the names of Jesus that we could share, out of all the names we could talk about, friend of sinners, one of my favorites. Verse six, continue to follow along with me. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter under their breath, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He has gone to be the guest of a, of a tax collector. Gosh, my friends, God sees and loves people who are far from God. He loves those people. That's how he sees. Mark chapter two, I've come, Jesus says, to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Here, here, I want you to note something. I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this. Graceland is not a museum of saints. It's a hospital for sinners. We will not enshrine people. We will... We will seek out people who don't know Christ. There's too many churches in America closing down their doors because they're just, they're just pandering to Christians. We will seek out those like Jesus did. Jesus enters the house of a known traitor. He shares a meal with this man 
And this was utterly out of control for so many, including the religious right. Notice the grammar in verse seven. Those of you who love to study scripture, it says this, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And here's why I I noticed that, and you should notice that, because Jesus eats with Zacchaeus just as he is. He accepts, he says, come as you are. Zacchaeus had not responded yet. He had not come down out of the tree. Notice the grammar is just as he is. It has been said, I love this, that Jesus is teaching Zacchaeus the difference between the gospel and, the, and religion. All other religions would say, hey, you gotta clean yourself up. You gotta take a shower. If you do these X, Y, and things, then I'll love you, accept you. Jesus says, the height of my love dwarfs your sins. Jesus says, your limitations are here, but my friend, my love, it exceeds them. And then in verse eight, but Zacchaeus stood up. He said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. So there's been a change. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Circle that, highlight that. We're gonna get back to that in just a little bit. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus transformed, completely revolutionized his life. And what once held a grip on him is gone, money. It has been completely taken away. He had stolen. He had basically turned on all of his own countrymen. And now he's ready to make restitution and then some. Now in this culture, in, 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 in this community, uh, the, the, the law said that if you stole something from me, okay? So if you stole something from me and you wanted to make amends, you would give back that full amount plus 20%. That's fair, right? What, you think it's fair? I think it's fair, 20%. The only time that they were to give four times the amount is that when someone stole someone's cow. And that's what I call a dairy, dairy bad situation. <laughs> I know, that was cheesy, I know. But you laughed, so I don't know. I just couldn't help. I had to put that in there. I know it's really cheesy, but Zacchaeus, he surrenders. And Jesus didn't even ask him to do it. He just gives. He just relinquishes. Once that held grip on him, now he is giving away. And and this is what I love. The difference was, is that when Zacchaeus got a glimpse of what God sees and how God's love and acceptance towards Zacchaeus, it it didn't, that that just, just completely dwarfed anything, the culture and society and the stuff that he could accumulate. The foothills of this world's stuff, they don't compare to the mountain view of God's salvation, his dream for us and his view and vistas that he wants for our lives. See, his kingdom is forever. Ours is temporal. He promises fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore in Psalm 16. And Luke, he tells us exact, he doesn't tell us exactly how that Zacchaeus would repent and believe, but, Zach, but God, Luke does tell us that there's a transformation from the inside out in his life and he begins to make restitution. I mean, he automatically begins to just be, build the kingdom of God. He once held a grip of money. He unclenches and he grabs a hold of Jesus. And then Zacchaeus, his life, he goes and makes a difference in all the Jericho region. He begins to just just bless the community because of what has happened on the inside. And and maybe you're asking, okay, 
where are you going with all this? I'm not, okay, you first started about talking about, uh, you know, going up a mountain, and now you're talking about Zacchaeus. Now, I'm gonna put the pieces together. Just follow me, okay? What I love about this story is that I believe the greatest moment of this entire story is when Zacchaeus gets out of that tree. When he accepts the invitation of Jesus to surrender, I believe that is exactly what God calls all of us to do. He calls us to get down out of our tree every single day in an area of our life. And you're like, okay. So you talk about your wife and you climbing a mountain, okay? And you talk about how God wants us to climb the, the mountain to see the view that God sees for our life. And now you're talking about getting out of tree. What, which way, right? What is it? <laughs> Make up your mind. Well, I, I'm going to put it all together for you right here. You see, so often the case is that in our culture and the way we think that we believe that in order for us to take a step forward in our life, okay, that we, we have to climb something. We have to go up, right? But the movement of God in our life and to experience the scenery of his vista, we first have to go down. We have to get out of our tree in order for us to go up. That is good stuff right there. It's simple, but it's true. God is calling you and I, I believe, to give up, to go up. God is calling you and I to sacrifice and surrender in a new way this year, today, like never before. If you're gonna experience the mountaintop of what God has for you, you've got to understand it and start in the valley, okay? Here, I wrote this down. The journey of God with God and the view he has for us starts in the valley of surrender and sacrifice. Is this making sense? I mean, think about Moses for a second. Just think about with me. He stands on Mount Sinai. Do you believe it all the thought came through his mind? He remembered the surrender and sacrifice in the valley, the years that he toiled with, with Israel? Yeah, I believe so. You know that over 500 times in scripture, 500 times that people experienced God on the mountaintop and every single one of them started in the valley of surrender and sacrifice. Think about the disciples. When Jesus said, come and follow me, they didn't, they didn't know anything other than sacrifice and surrender and their three of his closest friends are on the mountaintop with God and there they see the pre-incarnate glory of Almighty God because they were able to surrender and sacrifice. Had they not, friend, they still would be somewhere else. Man, it makes me excited. Somebody should say amen. I don't know, but this is me. <laughs> see, God wants you to take you to the mountaintop. I believe that. With all my heart, our surrender is never finished until other side of eternity. You may be five, you may be 95. God is calling you to another level of sacrifice and surrender, I believe today. And I believe the vastness and the view that God wants us to see only comes through this, friend. You have to give up to go up. I'd love for that to be one of the phrases that Graceland knows. You got to give up to go up in your relationship with the Lord. And that when you begin to do that, you begin to see the Kentuckiana and the nations as God sees. You see, he, he sees the trees, he sees the farmlands, he sees the rolling hills, he sees the suburbs, he sees the inner city. He sees your house and my house and your messy kitchen and my messy kitchen. He sees your heart, he sees my heart. And that is exactly what Zacchaeus saw when he saw Jesus. That Jesus saw Zacchaeus' heart and it was what Zacchaeus needed for him to understand. 
and to give up and sacrifice and surrender for. I believe that in 2018, on February the 4th, on this day, I believe God is calling us to draw so much closer to him through surrender and sacrifice, church. Now you may ask, okay, how are we gonna do that? What's that look like? Well, I wanna, I wanna give you a couple of things, okay? So get out your listening guide. And I want you to take notes as quickly as you possibly can. The first thing that I believe God is calling us to is God is calling us to pray. I believe God is calling us to pray in 2018 to where we will take part in joining all of us together and praying for a different 30 minutes during the week that you will sign up for a time whether it's in the morning or at night or in the middle of the night, and then other people will take another time slot and we will literally pray around the clock as a church family collectively through 2018. Zacchaeus communicated with God, with Jesus. The average Christian today communicates with God less than one minute a day. And I believe it's because we don't know how to pray and I believe it's because we don't understand the power of prayer. Let me tell you, friend, you can accomplish more in your prayer closet than you can do in 15 lifetimes. In the early 1900s, Evan Roberts, he began to pray on his knees on Friday nights. The night where most people go out and have a good time with friends. The night that you're getting ready for the weekend. He would devote the next 13 years on Friday nights to praying that revival would fall and that he would be a part of it. For 13 years he would begin to pray and the power of God would fall so mightily that over 100,000 people would come to know Jesus Christ through that ministry and that would totally transform areas. It has been reported, listen to this, this is true, okay? This is reported that literal prisons shut down, that, that prostitution came to a complete halt, that homelessness and hunger was no more in those communities because of the revival that hit. Friends, this is what our country needs. God is calling us to pray, to sacrifice mightily, and to come before our God and pray. Prayer is the prelude of revival. You need a time and a strategy for prayer, though. I don't know how to pray. I don't know when to pray. Well, let me give you a time first, and then I'll give you a strategy second. And the time is, I want you to think about a time daily. I want you to put it down. Oh, I already do pray. Okay, then pray longer. Give up your Friday nights. Give up your Saturdays. Give up your Sundays. Evan Roberts fasted twice a week. Fast twice a week. Seek God out more than you've ever sought him out before. There's your time. And then I, I would love for you to pick a 30-minute time slot to pray for our church. And what we need to do is we need to hear from you, okay? There's two ways for you to pick this time slot. You can either go out afterwards and there's a kiosk out in our lobby and there's somebody that wants to sign you up for a time slot day or night. I've already got, I think it's 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, so you can't have that spot, okay? That's mine, all right? But we want you to pick a spot. We wanna pray around the clock in 2018 for this church, all right? There's your time. Here's your strategy. Here's your strategy. Everyone up your hand. Hold up your hands. I showed this a couple weeks ago. This will help you out, help you memorize this. Um, go ahead and put that slide on the screen, guys. This is what we would love to do. You, your right hand will help you to know who to pray for. Okay, so the, your thumb will be your family, who to pray for. 
Your index will be your teachers and leaders. Your tallest finger, careful now how you hold that up, okay, will be the influencers in our community throughout the nations. Your ring finger will be the sick, the poor, the young, and the old. And your smallest pinky will be yourself. Notice that that's the smallest amount of prayer for yourself, but you're praying for others. And then your left hand is what to pray for. What to pray for. Your thumb is your heart. Your index is the priorities in your life. The tallest is the influence that you have. The ring finger is your relationships. And the smallest finger is that God will bless your life, will bring favor to your life. Just like Nehemiah prayed, just like so many others have prayed, that God is calling us to pray, 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 pray. Number two, God is calling us to read the word of God. Pastor, I already read the word of God. That's great. I read an article this last week that the average, Christ, or the average adult spends two and a half hours or more on social media every single day. And, and, I, and I got to thinking, do you think that that kind of uh, adaption and involvement in social media has helped our culture or hurt our culture? I think there are some great things to Instagram and Facebook and twi Twitter and all these other ones. I love all social media, but I believe that um, it doesn't compare to reading God's word and experiencing God's word. Let me give you a couple of real quick pointers on it. Reading God's word helps us experience God as love and helps us understand what etern uh, the eternity is gonna look like. John 5, 39 and 40 says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. We read the Bible, we experience the Bible because it teaches us our next step. Ephesians 5, 1 says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Reading the Bible helps you receive the desires of your heart. John chapter 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I will be, it will be done for you. Reading the Bible gives you courage because we wanna quit. How many times have you wanna quit something in your life? We all have, we raised our hands together, right? Joshua chapter one, verse eight and nine. Some of you are familiar with this. This is a great one. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you whenever you go. Friends, when you hear that, you can just, man. So in 2018, we want to read the New Testament together as a church. And what I mean by that is we are going to read the New Testament starting February the 12th, a week from tomorrow. We're gonna start a daily New Testament reading. We want you to encourage you to study God's word every single day, to apply it into your life, to study it, to observe it, to ask God then to enrich it and transform you from the inside out. And here's how we want you to do it. Number one, we have devised a way, go on our website, the bottom of the website, scroll down, and there's a button on there that says uh, Bible reading plan. Hit the button later on today, not now, okay? Hit it, and there's a way for you to sign up. And you will begin to get an email next Monday morning, real early in the morning, okay? And you'll better read it or it'll give you a link and the reference and you'll better take your Bible or whatever you use to, to read God's word and begin to read God's word. And then if for those of you who despise the internet and computers altogether, we thought of you, okay? And we have a February Bible reading printout in all of our communication areas in our church. It looks like this. And this gives you a daily reminder of what it looks like to read through the New Testament. And if you'll notice, 
you have Ephesians and you also have Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 3. And the reason why we have this reading together is because we start a brand new preaching series on the book of Ephesians, verse by verse expositing series called The Invisible War. And I'm going to talk about what Paul says about the war we experience and how we are to stand in the middle of it. We are going to read the, the whole of the New Testament in 2018. Sign up for it. Sign up for it. Number three, God is calling us to sacrifice more of our time, more of our talents, and our treasure to God than in 2017. My wife and I were out for dinner with some good friends this week, this, 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 on Friday night, and, and, and she told me something. She said, Ray, I'm most passionate about growing more in 2018 than I, was, than I did in 2017. And I took note of that. And I thought, that is awesome. And the only way that you are going to grow as a Christ follower and experience the view that God has for you is if you give more, if you sacrifice and surrender more of your time, more of your talents, and more of your treasure to him. Okay? When you read Zacchaeus, he wholeheartedly surrendered. It wasn't this, it wasn't this, it wasn't this. It was full out surrender. And God began, is beginning to spotlight in my life this last month as we walk through your next 30 days, areas that I was holding on to. God, I, that's just small. Let me just keep that one. Ray, give it to me. Okay, that's just real small. It's a hobby of mine. It, Ray, give it to me. But that's just, a, that's a kind of a relationship. That's kind of a dream of mine. Ray, give it to me. Wholehearted surrender. God is calling us to this. Number four, God is calling us to share Christ. God is calling us to share Christ. Are you sharing Christ? Maybe... Maybe today you're like, I pray, I read scripture, but are you sharing Christ? Are you making disciples? That's what we're called to do. Zac Christ shared himself with Zacchaeus. And now it's up to us to share, to share Christ with others. That we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That we are to incarnate what Jesus should act like in our culture. To love where we live. This is Christ's heart. As I get to know God better, as I get to understand his passion more, what I'm convinced of is that his heart is full for people who are far from him. That's his heart. And that's the way he sees Kentuckiana. See, the more I get to know God, the more I see that his heart breaks for those who are far from him. He knows that, that, that he put eternity, the Bible says, in all man's heart. And there's nothing that man can do to fill that void. He knows that. And he sees all. He sees the suburbs. He sees behind the closed doors and the manicured lawns and the closed uh, front doors and, and, and the, the, the men and women in those houses that have chased success and status. And yet the wisest, most wealthiest man in the world once said this in the book of um, Ecclesiastes. It's like chasing after the wind. He sees that. God sees the, the suburbs. He sees the inner city. Those who are trapped in violence. Those who are helpless and helpless and they, and they need hope. He sees that. He sees the drug addict and the alcoholic hearts dashed and trashed by this world. He sees the hopes and dreams that have come upon the rocks of a harsh world. God sees this. He sees all the abused children and the abuse that has taken place. 
He sees it. We must be willing and open to see the heart of God and to share him with a hurting world. That is why the prophet in Habakkuk chapter two, he got on the rampart, which means the rampart was the highest part of the city, the mountain, if you will. And God said, write this down. He says, record the vision that the one who reads it may what? May what? May run, not go backwards, not get distracted, not kind of, ah, kind of do it on a Sunday. No, to run after it fully. And I pray we're gonna run towards this vision. I pray that we will sacrifice and not fail to strive towards seeing lives transformed. Okay, preacher, wow. All right, but how? How do I share Christ? Okay, here's, I wanna teach you how to share Christ. There is an app. If you have a smartphone, you can download it for free and it's called Life on Mission. This is how you share Christ. And we'll put an image of it right there. That's what it looks like. Download that app and it'll give you information on how to share Christ. If you don't have a smartphone, that's okay. Call our church office this week or shoot us an email and we will get that information. Whether we send you something or whether we make a copy for you, we will get that information. We wanna equip you to share Christ with others. See, God is calling us. God is calling us to just begin to pray. God, would you open my eyes to people who are far from you? Would you open my eyes and would you put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or, or whatever the number is, would you begin to put people in my life so that I can incarnate you to those people around you? Would you, God, begin to help me share Christ with others? And I promise you, if you ask, he'll give you opportunities to do so. Now you may say, whew, but you don't know me. I'm jacked up. I'm an introvert. I barely follow Christ now. I don't, I don't understand a lot of the Bible. A lot of what you're saying sounds great. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. You need to really join in on that New Testament reading plan. Here's why. Because this Bible is full of jacked up people. Did you know that David was an adulterer? Did you know that Jesus comes from the long line and it starts with a woman named Rahab who was a hooker? Did you know that the apostle Paul murdered one of the first Christians? Did you know that this Bible is full of jacked up people that God used to do unbelievable things with? My friend, join the club. He wants to equip you. God loves to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And I wanna just... And let me tell you, I love you, but I'm looking at a bunch of crooked sticks, okay? That all of us in this room, we're imperfect. And the enemy wants nothing more than to put a blinder on you and to distract you and take you away from what he has called you to do. And he says, take off those blinders and run with the vision that I have given before you because God sees the nations and he's calling people to go to the nations. That's why I love that we have thousands of partnerships that's why I love the fact that we're helping plant a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're, we're going on eight mission trips this year. And one of them is to Pittsburgh. And we're going to go in October. And you're going to hear in just a few weeks all the ways you can go to the nations. I believe that God sees the Kentuckiana area. And I believe that he sees people sharing Christ with, with where they live. We are strategically positioned on Kamer Miller Road. And now in almost Palmyra in Indiana. You know that in just a few weeks, we're launching our, our first neighborhood campus. I wanna show you a picture. How, how cool is that? Hmm. 
And, and what you don't know is inside that building, uh, our administrator, Marty Baker, and a team, they are literally renovating the inside of that church. And that church is going to be brand new. Actually, I was, I was hearing from somebody this week that the, the gas station at the corner of Palmyra, really, it's the gas station at Palmyra. And the gas station there, somebody was talking to our, uh, the pastor at Palmyra, Bryant, and was saying, you know, I haven't been to that church in years and years and years. I just remember that it was old and there was mildew. And Bryant said, why don't you come on Easter? It's going to look a little different. And she said, I'll be there. You know that right now, we haven't even launched Palmyra officially, and it has tripled in size since they gave it to us. Man. There, there's a family at Palmyra right now that hasn't been to church in 10 years. They've given up on God and church, and now they're attending, and they're beginning to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. I believe that God is doing that. I believe that God is calling that. I believe God sees many more neighborhood campuses to the north and to the south and east and, this, and, and, and all around us. I believe that God is going to raise up an Hispanic campus to reach the Hispanic people of our culture and our area. I believe that God wants to reach this area and other areas with new sites and new seats. I believe that God sees a church that is unleashing compassion through our pantry and through the, some of the things we're going to be sharing about in the next few weeks and through prison ministry and trust and all the different ways and, and all the different things we do to unleash compassion. I believe God sees children's ministry and student ministry and adult ministry and college ministry where people are growing because in the gospel so that because of the gospel we'll go out and we will unleash compassion and we will share Christ. I believe God is doing that. Not just raising up people that survive, but seeing people thrive because of what God is doing. Families, once with marriages just barely making it, now thriving. Strongholds devastated, thousands coming to Christ, worshiping, raising their hands to a holy God. And that's why he said to Habakkuk, record the vision so that they may run. So that we will run to the top, we'll run to the top, and along the way we'll grab people and take people with us. And he sees us falling in love more with him walking in obedience and grabbing his vision. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church that God sees and I want to be a part of this morning. Oh. So, so I want to put a picture up on the screen. This is my wife and I after, after summiting Pike's Peak what you don't see is all the sweat. <laughs> we, we struggled every step of the way on that mountain. At one point, it was one step rest, one step rest, one step rest, one step rest, one step rest. At 14,000 foot, you can barely breathe. But when we got to the top, the surrender and the sacrifice was worth every minute. So much so that now we want to go down to the valley and do it all over. Over and over and over again. The vistas seen is worth the surrender. And we stand on shoulders who have done it. I, I have in my hand, this is a brochure. And that somebody in our church who has been a part of the church for a long time, they gave me this. And this is a brochure dated August 27th, 1960. And this was a brochure that was given out the day they dedicated the, 
first Graceland Baptist Church off of Charlestown Road. The church outgrew it there, and now we sit here because the church has grown. And the, the, the pastor wrote this message, and I quote, he says, As come our advantages and opportunities, so we shall realize our obligations increasing. The field is white unto harvest, and the Lord is ready to bless. And he says, let us have faith and to work harder to carry it out. In other words, let's surrender and let's sacrifice and let's run for the vision that God is calling us to. And like those who went before us, today we mark an occasion where we can look into the future and maybe in another 50 years they'll look back and say, remember on February the 4th, 2018 when they surrendered and sacrificed? We are here today because of those people. What God is calling you to, I believe, is surrender and sacrifice. And it's, not, it's only, God only knows what he's calling you to. But I believe it is something. For Zacchaeus, it was money. And how he surrendered is he got out of the tree. He got low so that he could go high. And I'm gonna ask you today, what is God calling you to sacrifice and to, to increase in this morning? Had Zacchaeus never come out of that tree, folks, he would have missed out on dining with Jesus. And my friends, what's keeping you from literally having fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Think about it. That is my prayer for you this morning.